Hello and welcome to the Voice It podcast, where you get a backstage pass into the lives of some of the region's most successful business owners, those people that started with nothing and turned it into a success story. I'm your host, Annabelle Homer. Today, you'll meet this bloke. G'day, it's Rowan here, busy truck in Australia. Leave your name and number up the phone, I'll get back to you. Thanks, please. My guest is Rowan Welke from Welke Transport out of Blythe in South Australia's Mid-North. He started a livestock transport company 18 years ago at the age of 25. Rowan never finished high school. He knew it wasn't for him. He just wanted to get out in the world and make his own way. This just proves you don't need to finish school to run a successful business. He started with one truck Now he employs many drivers and runs eight trucks across Australia. It's been hard work, he's missed out on a lot of family time and he's had to deal with COVID complications and cross-border travel. But he says it's all worth it because at the end of the day, he's doing it for his kids. I loved hearing his story, one of my favourites to be honest. I hope you do too. Enjoy the journey with Rowan Welke. Yeah, well, uh, originally Snowdown boy, uh, born and bred in Snowdown, and yeah, did all my schooling there. Uh, your mother-in-law actually was one of my teachers. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. So, Small world. so yeah, so no, she uh, did a bit of teaching there. Started over there, quiet town, small school. Stuck with that same group of kids. Yeah, pretty much there was three or four of us that started kindy together and went right through school together. So it was a um, sort of close knit, tight schooling right through and what did your parents do her mum was uh she had her own shop there in town did a bit of sewing and crafty sort of shop and uh, dad was the groundsman at the school and you've got how many siblings uh two brother and a sister one older one younger <laughs> educated at snowtown all the way through high school or did you I go didn't to finish year 12 <laughs> so when did you finish school uh, about three weeks into year 12 <laughs> what happened uh it wasn't really much left for me there I had a job I could go to and it was the teachers weren't actually very impressed with the idea of leaving. <laughs> I went home to mum and dad one day and I said, I, I really want to leave, getting nothing out of the school and wanted to leave and they said, oh, you can't. And anyway, after annoying them a bit about it, we um, went and had a meeting at school and it was about three or four of the teachers and me and mum and dad and there was one lady teacher that was dead against me leaving, told me that I'd never make it in life if I quit school and I did the tertiary education and that I'd never make it if I leave to be a farm man. So, but then the other two teachers, they were on board and by that afternoon I was sitting on a tractor. <laughs> so what was it that you were adamant that you wanted to get out of school? I don't know, it just got to the point where it was just stale, it was becoming, I don't know, just boring. Uh, I was the only one doing the ag course in town there and I had a job that I could go to on a farm that was teaching me more than what the school was teaching me. So I thought it was time to go and earn some money. So where did you go? I uh, went to my uncle's place. Uh, Darrell Wilkie was where I first started. Five k's out of town and um, I had my licence. So started working there and then part-time over at a dairy farm for Gary's Work at Blythe at the same time. And so you did that for how long? I'd stayed sort of working between the two farms for a couple of years until... I don't actually know, 2002, so it must have been four or five years, I suppose. In that time, I got my truck licence and drove trucks for the two different farmers and 
then Princess Royal over at Borough offered me a job driving for them. So that's where I started driving stock trucks. So what was it like working for Princess Royal? Because what was Princess Royal like back in those days? So, so that was 2003. Yep. So they'd just bought the station. Um, and so they sort of were working out of just up the road from Blythe, like Manu, Blythe here and also the station over there. So so who's they? Uh, the Roe family. So mm-hmm. yeah, Simon Rowe. And yeah, I just worked uh, for the trucking division of it, which I had my own boss, uh, Mark, was there then. And yeah, that was good. So learned a lot about it. And two years later... Yeah, I bought mine. So what was it about driving trucks that appealed to you? I don't know. Every young man just wants to drive trucks, go all over the countryside, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of going around the countryside, I mean, where did you drive? Is it mainly locally or did you go everywhere? No, right from from that start. So, yeah, I was, I don't know, must have been 23, I reckon, 22 or 23. And, yeah, it was straight away, just Australia-wide, just... Uh, we did a lot over to Dubbo, a lot out of Alice Springs, a lot out of Western Australia. And then there was a fair bit of just local stuff as well, Murray Bridge and down in Aracourt, things like that. A bit of a culture shock going from farm boy straight into driving trucks all over the country. Isn't there a certain amount of pressure driving trucks though? What were the challenges that you faced when you first started? Oh, I don't really believe there was any challenges. I had really great people around me to work with, so there was no pressure to be anywhere and so that was a good way of of learning and the people on the road back then were really good like you'd you always could catch up with somebody that you knew and you'd end up it wasn't planned but you might be heading to Alice Springs and when you come into Port Augusta you might see someone you know and it just so happens they're going the same way so away you go you just travel with them and yeah you just meet different people along the way. How long were you at Princess Royal for? Two and a bit years. You said from that moment, that's after that, you decided to, to go out on your own. Why was that? Why did you think that was the, the way to go for you? I suppose you just dreamed to having your own name on your truck. You could buy the truck you wanted, and which never worked at the start when you're starting out. <laughs> to get what you want, you had to get whatever you could afford. But yeah, yeah, I think that was, that was just the dream and just kept going with it and persevered and got there so so 25 you started your own business just before so I remember quite clearly I was carting grain for Princess Royal and down to our Bowman's and Peter Weeks was there and he always wanted me to drive for him but I had a um, his insurance wouldn't allow you to drive until you're 25 and I said look I can't Pete still I'm I'm under 25 like and he said oh and I said I'd like to buy one he said really and then he uh he actually come around a couple of weeks later and with a bit of a proposal of what I could buy and said, take this to the bank, see if they'll give you the money. So I did and, um, yeah, bugger me dead. About three weeks later, I had a truck, which happened to be the same week we were getting married. Oh, are you serious? Oh, so, why not? You know, buy a truck and get married in the same week. Yeah, so we, um, the day before we got married, I took the truck, which we'd taken over that week and um, took it over to Kadena and got my name put on it and we used it in the wedding. So, yeah, so that was the start of it. That was my first hurdle. So then when I went to insure it, they're like, how old are you? I said, 24. They said, oh, you're too young. We can't insure you. <laughs> so, but we had, yeah, jumped around from here to there and eventually found someone that would insure us still. So, yeah, for the first six months of, until I turned 25, it was, yeah, we were paying a fair bit for insurance. <laughs> how many young young blokes ran their own transport company back in those days? Well, no, I didn't know of any, no. How much was your first truck? Uh, 220000 
And what's that in the scheme of things? Uh, Cheap? <laughs> no, it was it was quite expensive. It was only a two-year-old truck and had everything we wanted on it. And it sort of came with the business, with the truck. We also sort of bought a the work to go with it to subcontract for, for Pete. So, Oh, um, well, that's a bonus. Yeah, well. so it was pretty yeah. well guaranteed job. Like he wasn't selling a truck to replace another one. He was same story. He couldn't find drivers and I think that was his... His idea was, well, might as well put someone, sell the truck and they still keep working for him. So basically it just worked for Pete, but it was my own truck. What was the next step after that and how quickly did you expand from that point? Uh, no, we just stayed at the one truck for, oh, it must have been 12, 18 months. And um, then I bought a trailer. I seemed to buy things on milestones. So I bought the truck just before we got married and bought a set, for my first set of B-double stock crates the day my first daughter was born. <laughs> so... That was another big thing. And, yeah, so she was born in Clare and the next day I was pulling my crates and went to work. It's just stock that you handle? You don't do anything else? Predominantly, 95% of what we do is just stock. A little bit of wool and a little bit of grain, but as you've seen, the last few years haven't been very favourable for the grain, so I haven't done a lot of that in the last couple of years. Do a bit of wool from up around Glendambo still, but other than that, it's pretty much just sheep and cattle. You're mentioning the milestones and you got your first truck the week you got married. Tell me about Alex, your your now wife. How did you guys meet? Oh, how everyone used to meet back in the day, wasn't it? B&S balls and pubs, <laughs> Claire races, all those sorts of things. I had my eye on her for a while. It, <laughs> it took a long time to, to finally get her, but yep. Um, I don't know, one day she obviously saw the light. <laughs> we got together when, when I was working for Princess Royal and then bought... And she was right on board too the whole time. I said, I wouldn't mind buying my own truck. And she said, well, yeah, well, let's do it. It's sort of been good. I think it's hard probably if you, if we were together before there was trucks and then, but yeah, it's sort of all we've ever known was you're away a lot and that sort of thing. So mm. there was no real culture shock. Um, she was a local girl, farmer, farmer's daughter, really wanted to be a farmer, but a lot of siblings and not enough room there for everybody. So yeah, anyway, we doing her own thing. Did she get her truck licence as well? Or she what? already had her truck licence. She yeah, already so. had it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. No, she used to um, work for a farmer over at Snowdown and cart grain for him at harvest time and that, yeah. so Has she, she ever worked for in this business? Uh, not as far as driving. She's done, she's driven the trucks, but not as a full-time, you know, not as a driver, no. Do you get many female drivers these days? There's getting more and more, not so much in the stock world. There, there's quite a lot in the general industry now why um, is it not much in the stock world is it just because of the stock or because maybe yeah maybe just uh, yeah i don't know a lot of heavy lifting not saying that women can't do the heavy lifting but yeah there's a lot of deck boards to crank and i think there's more in the in the cattle side of things but yeah i only know of a couple that cut sheep yeah certainly wouldn't discriminate if somebody <laughs> wanted to give it a go so calling for anybody <laughs> who has a truck license Speaking of which, are you in need of drivers? Always. Always. Um, there's always room for, for somebody else, but it's really hard now to find. Generally, you want someone to sort of be reasonably local. So, you know, if it is a quiet afternoon or something, you know, you can actually go home to your family or whatever it might be. And, yeah, trying to find someone that wants to cart sheep and cart cattle because we don't really differentiate. You know, we don't have cattle carters and sheep carters. you sort of got to do both, but... There's a lot of people out there that either want to cart cattle or want to cart sheep, generally not do both. And we're quite choosy who, who we do get to work for us too, mm -hmm. though. So we've, we have had some, 
had some trouble in the past, but we've had a lot of good people that have been here and, and left, but we've also got caught up in in a few dramas along the way as well. So what type of dramas? Ah, oh, more you're just um, not wanting to to work and go walk about when you, when you sort of want them to, when they're supposed to be at work and <laughs> they don't rock up. And yeah, I suppose it's just, I don't know, attitudes, I suppose. Like it's just a constant job. There's no nine to five. It's And it's hard if you've got something on just for half an hour appointment during the week, you know, it's very hard to, to be home for that half an hour. Most of the drivers do around 5,000 Ks a week. So to be home, you know, just for a half an hour somewhere in the middle of the week can be quite straining on the job. Is the money pretty good? Real good. Real good? Mm. Can you give me an idea of how good's real good? Um, most of my blokes now would be on around 150000 a year. Yeah. So Maybe I should get my truck license. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Might get more than podcasting. <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard work. It, there's no, it's not an easy street. A lot of weekends, a lot of washing trailers out. And yeah, you might cut a load of sheep in somewhere on a rainy day and the sheep weren't emptied out properly and... All of a sudden, you know, 10 o'clock, nine, ten o'clock at night, you know, freezing cold night up at Jamestown, you're standing there washing a the trailer out. It's not ideal. <laughs> so when you started out with your one truck, how often were you away from home? We did a lot of local work then. So still, yeah, I don't know, might have been home two or three nights a week still. Okay, that was not too bad. And then bad. some weeks you might, but then you might go away for two weeks and then uh, you might be home nearly every night for two weeks. You know what I mean? So it just depended where the work was. Harvest time was always better as far as being home because the silo's shut, you, you're home. So, mm. But things have changed a lot now. Like the drivers now are pretty much away five nights a week now. So it's it's sort of, um, it's quite lucky if you can get home during the week now. So we try our best and the drivers are really good. They, they understand the job and that's what they've fronted up for. How many trucks do you have now? Eight. Eight. So how many years has Welkie Transport been in operation? Well, uh, 06 we started, but then we sort of worked for Pete for a couple of years. So 08 uh, was when Peter left and so we were left with the reins from 08 through to now. So, yeah, we, we started building up. We got up to eight and then I went back to four and now I'm back to eight again. <laughs> so why did you go back to four? Uh, it was hard with drivers. Like Drivers are really hard to come by again and we found ourselves not really getting any further by having eight trucks than we have with four. So as drivers left, we sort of just sold sort of two trucks and bought maybe one new one or um, sold sold what we had to. We never sold any trailers. It was just prime movers and yeah, just sort of whittled them back and then we found drivers started coming up again and started going back into getting more equipment again so anyway that's where we're at now and we'll just coast along at that for now and see what happens was there any real directional plan when you first no. started out no it was all just take it as it comes one door shuts another one seemed open and you might have needed an extra truck for that job or yeah different sort of trailers or whatever and yeah if we could sort of afford it we we expanded and we took a lot of risks um what risks were they? Like by buying, you know, buying new trucks when we might have got away with the older trucks uh, buying second hand. But yeah, we sort of put our neck on the line a bit and went for the newer, like trying to trying to buy new trucks just to less problems, less downtime off the road because every time they're broken down, that's no money coming in. How often do you get the average truck breaking down? No, not very much now. So we we built the big shed over here now and 
Um, my brother works for me as a full-time mechanic and another mechanic as well. And, yeah, try very hard to keep the maintenance right up there. So I don't know the last time we really had a roadside breakdown as such where it's really stopped us. You know, you get your general breakdowns, which usually aren't stopping you. Um, but you can get back and get them fixed at home. And So when you first started out, was was it quite regular getting breakdowns or was it or yeah probably more than more than uh now but yeah so now that we've got a we've got a reasonably new fleet now so mm. yeah we're, we're a lot better off but the i don't know the motors aren't as good as they used to be so oh, aren't they? <laughs> no we seem to have a lot more motor trouble but that's not something we do here and fortunately most of it's under warranty so so how much would an average truck cost now uh that one there just driving out now that's two months old and I think that was about 460000 now. So. Oh, so it's pretty much doubled since, <laughs> yeah. you, since you first started. That's right. As you expanded your fleet, did you have moments of, oh, gee, the risks that you were taking and did you sometimes think that you were flying blind? Yeah, a little bit. There's a couple other carriers that are, I talk to that I suppose are my mentors I suppose you'd say because I'm obviously not I don't have any real it's not my family business that I've taken over so I can't go to dad and ask him what his thoughts are on um, trucks or where you think the fuel price is going or where you're buying your tyres or anything like that so yeah I've got a couple of really good that I talk to now on the road that I do run a lot of ideas past them now and sort of fill them out for what their opinion is so, that's good so yeah that that helps me out a lot but whenever I think I'm sort of maybe going in a bad direction sort of yeah talk to them and probably am still going in the bad direction <laughs> but it seems to turn around somewhere are you picking up new clients regularly or have you got your stable clients that you service no pretty much got our stable clients that we service that then so I'll probably work more for like the agents than individual people so yeah the agent they ring you but you know then the agent might pick up somebody who builds a feedlot goes into feedlotting uh, i've got another couple of agents that have gone away from sheep and mainly into cattle so i've had to change and buy some cattle crates to to keep them um serviced and that sort of thing but yeah generally that's where where it's quite yeah. a lot of cost really. yeah a lot is. of a lot of investment in yes. infrastructure yep must blow your mind sometimes it does <laughs> yeah but yeah it's quite humbling at the same time to be able to look out the window sometimes and see as much as I don't like seeing my trucks in the yard, it's nice to, when they do come home, it's nice to look out and see them there. So, yeah. And with stock prices being so strong at the moment, how does that flow onto your business? It's good and bad. So, because we do such a long distance trade, so we cart a lot of sheep out of Western Australia, basically the uh, freight costs put a bearing on whether they can afford to buy them or not to buy them. So, sometimes when the price... Uh, price of lamb say in western australia goes through the roof you know we can't then the job doesn't work so but on the other hand when when i'm carting sheep for somebody who's selling and they got to go all the way to melbourne you know it's fine because you know the price is up there so they can afford to to cart them to melbourne so it goes both ways and speaking of carting how has the business gone considering the water restrictions with covid yeah, it's been a battle. I think all our noses are probably a bit cleaner than they used to be. <laughs> we, uh, we're we on three-day COVID tests at the moment, so every three days we've got to uh, front up for a, a COVID test and uh, all being double vaccinated. And we never had to stop our trade at all. They never closed the borders at all on us. There was only one. We were carting a lot from the Northern Territory into Victoria 
at one stage during COVID and if you'd been to Victoria, you couldn't go to the Northern Territory. So I had to have basically half my drivers could go to the Northern Territory and the other half could go to Victoria. So the same, yeah, same drivers couldn't do both. That was a bit of a juggle there for a while, but it's all sorted itself out now. Did your drivers get sick of it at the start? Did they think, oh, for goodness sake, this is yep. overkill? Yeah. Yep. Yep. No. Okay. So there's, there's blokes that have talked about, you know, if this goes on much longer, you know, how much longer can, you know, you put up with it and, the bureaucrats always think, you know, just go and get a COVID test. It's easy. Well, that's fine if you live in the city or you have all your heaps of days off and you park your truck up and you just mosey on down the street to get a COVID test. But when you're out here in the country, you know, you can only get them in Clare from four hours. There's a four-hour window there and, you know, it's quite often you need to be going again early that morning. So, yeah, finally now towards the end, they've started putting a lot of pop-up COVID testing clinics in but yeah it was a battle there at the start you know you couldn't leave until the COVID test place opened so you go and get a test before you could go to work so yeah. So none of your drivers ever had to quarantine? No I did. Oh did you? <laughs> yeah a couple of weeks ago I went to OTR there in Port Augusta so, oh. so I suppose fortunately for me it was 10 days in before they worked out so I actually only had to quarantine for four days so caught up on my book work which is good <laughs> so you've got four kids and they've all obviously grown up around trucks so are we seeing a next generation of truck drivers i think so yeah the um got a my eldest is a daughter she's 13 going on 33 but um but yeah then the the boys uh, uh range from nine to 12 well the twins are nine and henry's 12 but yeah they're all definitely showing um signs that they all they want to do is drive trucks henry's just started to be able to drive one around the yard now so yeah he's uh getting his eye in how does that make you feel when you see your kids being yeah. interested and, and, and want to take on what well, you have honest, created it's probably a lot what's driving me to keep going um with the the size of the business i suppose same as everything you know farmers want to hand their land onto their sons or daughters whatever and yeah i definitely got the same idea here if they if they don't want to do it that's fine too but if they if they want to go into the trucks yeah all for it it's been a great industry to be in up until sort of things started changing a bit now but with COVID. <laughs> I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll change back and just grow with it. So apart from COVID being a challenge recently I mean what ha- has been the major challenges for you throughout your career? Oh what's what was the probably the most challenging year or time? I can't honestly say that I've, I've had a massive no I haven't really had any yeah. great big hurdles to to sort of cross. Well, that's good think. that's yeah. a great track record then yeah. So we've had a oh we had a couple of rollovers that was probably um, financially it, it wasn't too much of an impact as far as everything's insured obviously but that was um, mentally quite hard I suppose you know dealing obviously when you have a rollover when you have got stock on there's there's deaths and oh, right. you know dealing with that kind of thing and then I went to the my first rollover happened like within half an hour from home here so it's um I got to that one and it's quite a sight <laughs> to oh, yeah. come across but yeah. yeah. That everyone come out of it fine. Most of them actually were fine, but um, yeah, there's a few that didn't make it. So yeah, I've spoken to some businesses in the past as part of this podcast where they say they grow, you know, they grow quite quickly, and sometimes they get into financial trouble. Yeah, has that ever occurred to you, or have you've always grown at a steady pace? Steady pace. Um, I've never sh- shopped around. Not that we've ever been told. Like we use a broker, um, for our finance, obviously. If he's ever been in doubt, we haven't gone, go and find someone to get me the money. If he says things are tight, just hold off for a bit, we do. 
we've never gone, well, you just keep going, mate, until you find money. We've always stuck to with what we can. We were always buying second-hand trucks, second-hand trailers, and now it's got to the point where we're just buying the newer stuff and by the, at least that way, by the time you have paid for it, it's still new, mm. like it's not. How long do you keep a truck until you trade it in? Oh, I don't know. I always have these big ideas that I'll sell them after five years, but I'm not very good at selling things. <laughs> I get it. Great. I'm like, oh, well, I might just keep that one for a bit longer. So, yeah, the oldest truck that I bought that I was supposed to sell is now eight years old, which was supposed to be sold after five. So. Have you still got your first one here? No. No, I only mm. sold that um, three years ago. Oh. Three or four years ago I sold that one. So, yeah. That would have been tough. Yeah, it was. It had done nearly um, nearly two million k's when I'd sold it, so it served me well. But do you name your trucks? Oh, we used to. Uh, my first new truck I bought was 12 months after I had my daughter, so that was called Missing Charlotte. And then my next one... Missing bought, Charlotte? Yeah, Missing Charlotte. And then uh, my next one was 12 months after my first son was born, Henry, so that was, yeah, Henry Patrick. And then... We stopped, <laughs> but I've bought a lot more trucks since then, but then we had the twins and then, yeah, it was, so now the truck that I ever buy for myself, I put all the four names of the kids across the back. <laughs> oh, and you haven't done that yet? Yeah, so I've got uh, two trucks with all, all the kids' names on the back. So, so Alex yeah. doesn't get a mention? Uh, no, <laughs> neither do I though. <laughs> the last truck I just bought, that's uh, called Spirit of the Bush, and then uh, I bought two at the same time. And then the last, and then the other one, which we only just picked up last week, I've called that one self-isolation, which was fitting because it was when I was in quarantine that, <laughs> that we got that one. And yeah, basically they're home away from home anyway, and we spend a lot of time in them now. So you've been driving for 18 years, so now you can sit back and I can ask you the question. You've said that you're continuing down this line because of your kids, but what is it that you like about this business? The people, I think. If I wasn't, if I had to deal with people on forklifts <laughs> all day and warehouses and time slots, yeah, I don't think I'd be interested. But going to stations and you go there from year to year, uh, I've, I've done a lot now where I'm starting to, like their kids that are now, well, you know, the kid is now taking over the farm and now they're the ones that are loading the sheep. And the same as stock agents, there's a couple of stock agents now as well where, um, I used to work for the father and now I'm working for the son. And so, you know, you know them. You, they're, they're like mates now and you grow with them and, you know, you see their crops from one year to the next. So, you know, you can talk to them on, oh, yeah, not not a bad day today. You know, you you can sort of actually ask them from last time you, oh, last time you you said you were um, trying something different with your, your cropping or whatever and, you know, ask them next time you see them, well, how did that actually go? And, mm. you know, you you follow along with them and become a lot more involved in it, yeah. You develop so, a relationship with your yeah. clients. Where do you see yourself in, in 10 years' time? I don't know. I don't know. A lot of that would depend on what my kids want to do, I think. Like, I've missed out on a lot with the kids. Sport, school, all those things. Growing up, we missed a lot of that. Um, family holidays, that's really tough at the moment because you just can't seem to get away. There's always, when you've got employees, you know, they want to have holidays as well. And you just always seem to be busy right when it's school holidays so you just you can never seem to get a break up until the last couple of years we've sort of been making a point that we have to do it because the kids are just growing up too quick mm. once the kids can give me a clear indication of whether they're going to go down the truck alley or not i guess that'll be probably the determining factor where where the business goes you know if they if they decide that they don't want to 
have anything to do with the business, I would I'd sort of probably start trying to not wind it back, but yeah, concentrate on more what I want to do um, as far as not running a business and being on call 24-7. So that's obviously the, one of the biggest challenges in the industry then. Is it that is. Like you've missed out on a lot of yeah. family time. Is yeah. that one of your – would that's you say it. that's a regret? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. not only my not only my wife and kids either, like my – like, you know, mum and dad, sister, brother too. Like I'm fortunate that my brother works with me, so I see him every day. But uh, my sister, I, I don't get anywhere near enough time to see her or mum and dad, so yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Do yeah. they understand? Yeah, they do. Yep, definitely. Do the kids at some point say to you – at any point, really, oh, Dad, you're always working. You know, can't you come and watch us play footy or can't you do this? Can't you take me to swimming lessons? Yep. Yeah. Just starting to now. It's just annoying when you're, when you're trying to do something with the kids, when you finally do get a chance, then the phone rings mm. and it's like you hope it's just a quick phone call, but it's not. Uh, you know, then that phone call leads to three more phone calls and all of a sudden it's dark and the kids are like, oh, we didn't get to do that, Dad. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> they they unreal kids they um yeah they bounce out of it all and i just hope one day they see the the reason behind it and that it was worthwhile and what does your mum and dad think about what you've achieved because you came from humble beginnings at snowtown area school you left three weeks into grade 12 and you were adamant this is what you wanted to do and they stood behind you and supported you yeah definitely not they've always been yeah very supportive yep always like they never never once said you have to finish school you have to do this or they've gone along with everything that I've ever done and yeah they're very proud if Henry came up to you three weeks into grade 12 and said dad nah this is not for me would you support him or would you definitely I learned so much when I left school I wasn't learning at school like I was at school but wasn't taking it in no you know you'd learn how to spell you'd learn how to write you'd learn how to do your maths and gets to the point where the real learnings of life happen once you leave school you know when when you've got a boss that is going to be hard on you if you break something or you muck up and as soon as you're getting paid you you start thinking about what you're doing and and I learned so much and they say you can't teach common sense but you can like I got taught a lot of things like I always remember I was about to drill a hole one day on a boom spray and I had to fix a, a clamp that holds the um, spray bar to the boom itself. And I remember uh, my boss walking past and going, you're going to drill through that? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll just drill this and then I'll put it in. He's like, what's going to happen when the drill goes through there? I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's like, well, think about it. So, you know, you stop and think about it. I'm like, no, nah, couldn't think about it. Anyway, I did it and drilled straight through into the pipe. <laughs> and, you know, he did not pull me up before I did it. And then he walked out and he said, now you're going to have to fix that too. You know what I mean? So then suddenly, after you do a few of those things, you start thinking before you do it next, not that exact same job, but you start getting it into your head that I've got to think about what's going to happen after I do think things through a bit. And so that's where I think like that common sense, a lot of that comes from having a bloke tell you to watch that sort of thing. Mm, (laughs) And then when you you muck up, I didn't get in trouble for it, just got told that then I've got to fix that as well. So you soon learn that, yeah, if you're... You learn from mistakes. Yeah, you do. Mm. And you you don't get that at school. No, I think, um, yeah, I've got no real great memories of school, to be honest. I don't think as far as um, grateful that I learnt to read and write. As far as that, I think a lot of my learnings come from definitely outside of school. It's been an absolute pleasure having a chat to you, Rowan, and and actually catching up with you again. It's been a long time. And it's wonderful to hear your story and how far you've come from those early days with one truck 
to now having eight and you're doing this for your family and for your children and yep. I applaud you. So well done. No, thank, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. No worries. Thank you. Really nice bloke. I really enjoyed chatting to Rowan. If you've got a spare moment, please don't hesitate to rate and review this episode or any of the Voice It episodes. Love to hear your feedback. If you'd like to find out more about what I do, I am a voice coach. I run public speaking training sessions. I also produce podcasts for organisations and I record audio memoirs for families. For more info, my website is in my show notes. I'll catch you again next time for another episode of The Voice It Podcast.